Hey everyone, welcome into this edition of the WTOC Sports Podcast, November 9th, recording this on Monday morning. Lindsey Goff and Jake Wallace alongside with you after a, a very eventful Friday night and then a college football weekend that brought us a little clarity to some things that we had been wondering. Uh, Lindsey, how was this football weekend for you? Busy. Um uh, we had Friday night football. I think I got home from Swainsboro at like 1 a.m. on Friday, well, Saturday morning, I guess, and then was back at Georgia Southern for a 1 o'clock game. Um, definitely a football field filled weekend, but no complaints over here. Yeah, and I thought the thing that was so interesting about Friday night was how many results – maybe changed some of what we thought we were going to see over the next few weeks. But we'll get into that in just a minute. We'll start with just some of the results that are notable. And for us, our game of the week lived up to the billing. Islands 26, New Hampstead 14. Islands improves to 5-0. and They now lead the city championship race. And, and Lindsey J. Adams continued his, his play as he contends for Savannah Player of the Year. 202 passing yards a touchdown through the air, and two rushing touchdowns for the Sharks' senior quarterback. They're undefeated. They'll host Savannah this Friday night in a game that they'll be picked to win. And then next Friday, host a Windsor Forest team whose only loss came uh, first game of the season to New Hampstead. If Windsor Forest can, can beat Groves on Friday, then next Friday night, the game between Islands and the Knights out at Whitmarsh Island is likely for this is for it will be for the city championship and that'll be a really fun game I think for for Chatham County in the city of Savannah. Yeah, the stakes keep getting higher each week. Um, Jaden Adams though has just been awesome throughout this season and really helped Islands en route to that undefeated uh, record. So I would like to see that match up. Hopefully, they can both come in you know, five and one and undefeated still and make it a good game, but we'll have to wait another Friday night and see. Yeah. And Islands also with the win over the Phoenix clinching the number two seed in their region, they will get at least one home playoff game. Of course, Benedict and the region champ by default with Chatham County schools playing intra-district only. So a huge win for the Sharks, one of the biggest in, in their program's short history and if they can close out this regular season undefeated, go 7-0, and this is a team I think that will make some noise in the state playoffs. They've got a terrific defense. They've got, like we mentioned, Jaden Adams and a number of weapons uh, on the offense. So this is a Sharks team that I think has a chance to make some noise in the state playoffs. Um, Deshaun Printup's got that team rolling, and uh, we'll see what will happen over the next few weeks as they right now are in the driver's seat for the city championship in Savannah. Another result that we saw Friday night, uh, this was the actual real-life score. Glenn Academy 7, Richmond Hill 5 down in Brunswick as the Red Terrors throw a wrench into the Region 2-6A race with an upset victory over the Wildcats. Um, Lindsay, we thought this game would probably be low scoring. We knew it was two physical teams that like to run the ball, there was some weather in this game as well that maybe impacted it, but a 7-5 to five victory for the Red Terrors 
And now we've got a three-way tie in the Region 2-6A race. Yeah, if you had told me Richmond Hill didn't score a touchdown, I would not have believed that um, a baseball score coming out of that game. Um, but Glen Academy kind of putting people on notice, hey, don't forget about us. Yeah, and, and listen, this is the story with Glen Academy. It always has been under head coach Rocky Hidalgo. They challenged themselves early in the year, play kind of punch up a little bit. We saw them go to Camden County, go to coffee early in the season um, and entered region play battle tested, you could say, and then fell to Brunswick and their city championship in early October in heartbreaking fashion. And since then have now rolled off four straight wins have been dominant defensively and they've got one game left uh, in two weeks against Statesboro. If they win that they're the region champs. Now, Here's where we are in Region 2-6A. Richmond Hill and Glen Academy tied with four and one region records. Brunswick is three and one with two games left to play. Those upcoming games, Glen Academy's at Statesboro next Friday on the 20th, and Richmond Hill hosts South Effingham this Friday. As for Brunswick, they go to Bradwell this Friday and then host Effingham in two weeks. So still four games to watch to see how this race is going to play out. But if the results hold the way they are now, if all four of those are wins for Richmond Hill, Glenn, and Brunswick, what I'm told is the tiebreaker comes down to points allowed to the tied teams. And in this case, it would be Glenn 1, Richmond Hill 2, Brunswick 3. So still a lot to work out here, still plenty of games to be played. It must be mentioned that those three teams will be favored in all of those games left this season. But I thought it was a, a huge win for Glen Academy, uh, a big-time victory. And honestly, though, not all that surprising. I mean, Richmond Hill's a great team. They're still a very good team. There's no doubt about it. But this Glen team has been coming on, and they are just tough, hard-nosed, a, a tough, hard-nosed football program, and they will, they will beat you. And Glen Academy did it Friday night 7-5 to five over Richmond Hill. And now we've got a, a fun little Region 2-6A race to watch over the next two weeks. A few other results of note. Savannah Christian goes to Aquinas and just blows out the Fighting Irish. 49-20 was the final score, but this was, a, this was all Raiders the whole way. And then Calvary Day, 27-21 over Savannah Country Day in a really good game in Midtown Savannah. And so that sets us up for Savannah Christian with a chance to clinch the region championship next Friday night on the 20th when they host Country Day and Calvary Day going to hang on and see if they can maybe get a two seed with a victory over Aquinas in two weeks. But, Lindsay, that race, I don't want to say it's all that surprising, but Savannah Christian has looked really good all year. They've looked like the best team in that region. But I don't think it's a stretch to say that Calvary Calvary and Country Day – continue to look like they're right there as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, we've kind of picked Savannah Christian all season long and for a good reason, but Savannah Country Day and Calvary really hanging right in there and um, able to pull off some big wins recently to uh, make the race interesting and hang in there. Yeah. So coming up, this Friday, we continue uh, region play 
here in the state of Georgia, but across the river in South Carolina, the SCHSL playoffs begin. We'll have Buford and Whale Branch at home on Friday night, May River going on the road. Uh, the Sharks made a run last year going on the road a couple times and getting victories. Uh, they're going to try to be road warriors once again. Um, but we're going to see a Whale Branch team that finished, that finished their regular season undefeated, now going to look to make a run at the state championship. Their uh, playoff run begins Friday night at home. Same for Buford, May River on the road. We also have Hildhead Christian and Thomas Hayward still alive in the Skiza playoffs. They'll be in the semifinals this Friday, the state championships next week at Charleston Southern University. So we'll see if the Rebels or the Eagles can get back to the state championships next weekend, this Friday night. Lindsay, as for college football, it was a, it was a fun weekend. That Notre Dame-Clemson game was tremendous up in South Bend. Um, we'll get to that one in a minute, but the result that I think a lot of that has a lot of dog fans talking and now questioning uh, where the program is happened in Jacksonville Saturday. You saw it on WTOC. Florida 44, Georgia 28. Uh, the dogs run as SEC champs, likely over. Um, something squirrely would really need to happen over the next few weeks for the Gators to not get to Atlanta and play for the SEC title. Kyle Trask, 474 passing yards and four touchdowns for the Gators. That's the most passing yards in the history of this game. By contrast, Georgia's quarterback situation, Stetson Bennett the fourth and Dewan Mathis combined for it, 9 of 29 passing, 112 yards, and three interceptions. Lindsey, um, we knew that Gator offense was good. We knew the dogs faced a tough task especially as beat up as they were. But I think it was truly enlightening to see just where this Georgia offense is when put on the same field as Florida. Yeah, they hung in there the first half, but then the second half, Florida really just took over and commanded that game. And the dogs did not look so good. Um, they couldn't really establish a run game. They weren't obviously throwing the ball very well, as you mentioned. <laughs> um, just all around kind of a rough day for um, Georgia and dog stands. Um, I mean, that puts them out of SEC title contention. It puts them out of the college football playoffs. They have fallen out of the top 10. Um, you know, it, it's going to be, I think, interesting to see how the team responds the rest of the season, um, are they going to play motivated now that they're kind of out of the race for um, the college football playoffs and the SEC? Um, you know, what what is going to motivate this team and define them from here on out? This was a game that I thought was kind of like the Alabama game, kind of like the SEC championship last year where the worst fears of, of Georgia fans were were put on display. It was, one, the defense could not stop Florida in the first half. They gave up 38 first-half points to the Gators. And then offensively, it was very apparent that they just could not hang. Zamir White goes 75 yards in the first place from scrimmage and scores a touchdown. And Georgia was able to run the ball relatively effectively all game. But you look at the stat line again, 9 of 29 passing, 112 yards, three interceptions. That's not going to cut it, not even against 
a, a high profile, high level attack like the Gators, that's not going to cut it against most SEC teams. And I think where Georgia is right now is they do not have their quarterback situation is just not in good shape. They do not have a starting quarterback right now. Bennett is is a is a great teammate, a guy that um, has played well and and helped Georgia get to a good point. And, and Dewan Mathis is still a young kid, but it was very apparent to me on Saturday that neither. Bennett nor Mathis are starting caliber quarterbacks in the SEC. And I think that's going to be the, the response for Georgia going into 2021 is do you have the quarterback situation figured out? Brock, Brock Vandegrift, easy for me to say, the heralded recruit is expected to come in and compete. JT Daniels situation, that's still up in the air whether or not We'll see him in 2020. Um, but I think that's the thing that Georgia fans are going to have to – are going to be left wondering really for the rest of this year and going into 2021, is the quarterback situation figured out? Because if it's not, Georgia's going to be in probably the same situation they are this year looking up and watching somebody play the SEC championship next year. The next four games for the Dogs, they should win and they should be favored in all of them. Go to Missouri this Saturday, host Mississippi State at South Carolina, and then host Vandy. Four games that the dogs should win, and, and really, honestly, should win going away. But I think, like you said, Lindsay, for a team that had SEC title, college football playoff, and national championship aspirations, not even going into the season, back when fall practice really started, um, you have to admit that this season has been disappointing, you know, halfway through the season. So we'll see what happens for the dogs moving forward. They'll travel to Missouri uh, this Saturday. Up in South Bend, Notre Dame 47, Clemson 40 in double overtime. It's the Irish's first win over a number one team since 1993, and Clemson's 36-game regular season win streak comes to an end. Lindsay, this was a really fun game in one of the best venues in all, in all of college football at Notre Dame Stadium. And the best part, I think, about this game is we could see it again in just about a month. If Clemson uh, wins out and Notre Dame obviously wins out, they'll play again in the ACC title game on December 19th. And then, Lindsay, if Clemson wins that one and, and gets a little bit of vengeance on Notre Dame, honestly, it's likely both get into the college football playoff. Yeah, uh, I don't want to say you give Clemson a pass for this loss, but they were without Trevor Lawrence. So if the matchup were to happen again and Clemson has their starting quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, and he's fully recovered from COVID-19, it could be a different story uh, for the Tigers. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. Um, he traveled with the team over the weekend, but was on the sideline, wasn't able to play. I think he still has to clear his uh, cardiac test before he can return to the field. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a fun game. There were so many uh, reviews and, like, flags in overtime that it felt like it took forever. And I know people <laughs> were frustrated because they wanted to watch SNL. But uh, it, was, it was a really good game. The thing that impressed me the most 
Lindsay, was just the, the, the line play by Notre Dame. You know, we mentioned on the podcast last week talking about this game that I expected to see a lot of Travis Etienne. I thought he was going to be a guy that was going to have to kind of help carry this Clemson offense. And, and not only did the Irish shut him down 28 rushing yards on 18 carries for Etienne, they shut down Clemson's rushing game all night, 34 yards on the ground for the Tigers. They still scored 40 points, um, but we're not able to – the Tigers were not able to get the run game going all night. And I thought that was a huge difference. You mentioned Trevor Lawrence being out DJ Uyangalale playing really well in, in Lawrence's absence, 439 passing yards that set a record for a Notre Dame opponent, two touchdowns through the air and one on the ground in Lawrence's stead Uyangalale 788 passing yards. So, Trevor Lawrence likely going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft, but don't worry, Clemson fans. It appears you have uh, a, a really good guy uh, waiting in the wings. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, like we said, you know, Clemson is still one of the top teams in the country. If they win out, they'll be in the ACC title game. They'll get a chance to, to avenge this one, likely against the Irish. And if they win the ACC title game, there's no doubt in my mind Clemson gets in. So it's going to be fun to watch over the next few weeks. Maybe we'll see it again in about a month. Down in Statesboro, Georgia, uh, Georgia Southern 20, Troy 13. Lindsay, you saw this one in person. The Eagles snap a three-game losing streak to the Trojans. The story for me, there were two stories for me, Lindsay. One, Wesley Kennedy the third and J.D. King leave the game with injuries. Gerald Green comes in, 109 rushing yards, a nice 69-yard touchdown to tie the game. For the redshirt freshman, that's a guy that we've heard Chad Lunsford um, praise really all year as a guy who he really likes, and we saw why Saturday as the Eagles beat the Trojans. And then the Georgia Southern defense continuing to play really well. Derek Canteen, a pair of interceptions. He's got four now on the season. It felt to me like Southern was bringing all kinds of pressure from all over the place. Scott Sloan was dialing it up, trying to get pressure on this Troy passing attack and did. And Southern now five and two, three and two in Sunbelt Conference play. They're undefeated at home, and they've got a Texas State team coming to town Saturday that has lost six games in a row. Yeah, a couple of takeaways from that game. One thing that Chad Lunsford said in the post game was again southern kind of left the door open for um troy to win it at the end uh if troy had been able to punch in that touchdown late you know that would have sent it to overtime so georgia southern has got to find a way to put people away when they have the opportunity there were several times they were in the red zone and shy Wirtz mentioned this too you're in the red zone you need to score touchdowns settling for field goals not going to cut it. Um, but they. the good thing is that they were able to pull off the win yet again, and the defense looked phenomenal. And another takeaway is that these young players for Georgia Southern really impacted the game. You mentioned Green, a redshirt freshman. Canteen, also a redshirt freshman um, on the defense. So some of the biggest plays in that game for Georgia Southern coming from their young players, which is a good sign. And then when the new AP college football rankings came out on Sunday night, Coastal Carolina in the top 15, Louisiana in its 25. So Georgia Southern's two losses on the season have come to uh, ranked opponents, which 
is a good thing for the Eagles, I think. Um, you know, they don't want two losses, but <laughs> at least they came uh, from worthwhile opponents and both on the road. So, um, you know, things are looking pretty good for the Eagles right now, I would say. Yeah, and obviously something to watch today is, is hopefully we'll get an update on J.D. King. That did not look good. Uh, he was out of his pads yeah. on crutches during the game. Hopefully he didn't we'll get- put any weight on that leg as they were taking him off the field. I did notice that. That's not That's, good. Yeah, it did not look good. Hopefully we'll get an update from Chad Lunsford during his press conference later this afternoon. Um, that would be a big blow if he has to miss any time. Um, obviously looking for an update on Wesley Kennedy as well. And then up in Columbia, a really bad weekend for the South Carolina, South Carolina Gamecocks who have a lot of questions to answer a 48, three loss to Texas A&M about as bad a home loss as you can endure Lindsay for the Gamecocks, 150 total yards of offense, they were down 41 nothing until about halfway through the fourth quarter when they kicked a field goal. After the game, head coach Will Muschamp said his starting quarterback position is now open. Colin Hill, Ryan Helinski, and Luke Doty will all get, he said, equal reps with the first team uh, this week in practice, which is never what you want midway through a season. Um, this is a Carolina team that beat then number 15 Auburn three weeks ago. And that feels like it didn't happen because this is about as low a point for South Carolina as they've had. And these next four weeks to close out the season are going to be crucial, I think, going into the offseason. This is a young South Carolina team. Let's not, you know, let's not beat around that. But that was it was a very, very poor performance against a really good Texas A&M team, mind you. Um, But. For a, for a team and a program that have had a lot of questions to answer kind of coming into this season, it certainly feels like they still have plenty left um, as we are more than midway through 2020. The upcoming schedule for the Gamecocks at Ole Miss, Missouri and Georgia at home, and then at Kentucky. So not exactly an easy path left for the Gamecocks who really could use a few wins out of those four left. It almost feels like Muschamp is kind of coaching for his job a little bit, too. Um, The Gamecocks haven't really been that competitive since Spurrier retired. Um, You know, that they had the win over Georgia last season. It feels like they're always able to kind of sneak one, um, a big win that they're not picked to win. Uh, Georgia last season, Auburn this year, but, man, they did not look good on Saturday. Granted, Texas A&M is in the top five, um, but that offense just could not get going, and they've got to figure some stuff out. Yeah, it's going to be something to watch over the next few weeks, just what happens uh, with this Gamecock program. Well, Lindsay, that was a great weekend of football, in my opinion. I'm looking forward to this weekend as well. We've got some some really good high school matchups, some some high stakes. We've got playoffs in South Carolina. And then uh, we get the college football Saturday full of some really good games as well. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. 
Lindsay and I will be back later this week for an end zone edition of the WTOC Sports Podcast where we break down some of Friday's biggest high school football games. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you again soon.